This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. All right. Hello and welcome to the first Torch Politics podcast for the Fire Pit Network. Today I have with me Marissa Russell, our lifestyle editor, and Kaylin Johnson, our managing copy editor. Both of you, hello. Hello. How are we doing today on this fine Friday? Oh, you know, we're, we're doing. That's I'm good. I'm like only half devastated with my life, but it's fine. Honestly, a whole mood. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today, so let's get into it. Um, let's first start off with the immigration overhaul bill that was presented yesterday. Oh, I know so much about this. Okay, don't worry, because I'm going to tell you all about it. This is an informational podcast. Okay, good. Thank you. We're we're also informing our listeners as we inform ourselves. So I was going to be so happy about this, because he's wanted a politics podcast for so long. Awesome. I'm Uh, glad we can serve the people. We just need to put a disclaimer out that this is our own personal views and it has nothing to do with Bulldog Radio, the Fire Pit, the Torch, or Fair State University. Thank you, Marissa. Definitely warnings we needed to include. All right. So yesterday, the Biden administration unveiled their uh, immigration bill that they would like to get through. Um, so the biggest things, uh, oh, it's actually called the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021. Okay. So uh, a few of the big things in this were... Um, an eight-year path to citizenship for over 11 million people that uh, were in America before January 1st of this year. Um, it, the biggest one, in my opinion, is it replaces the word alien with non-citizen in a lot of the immigration, like, legal text mm-hmm. and everything like that, which I, first of all, sincerely appreciate. I think alien was just inappropriate. Yeah, no, that just feels so much better, you know? Yeah, it... <sighs> It's honestly, I can't even imagine just coming to a new country looking for, like, a better life and how disheartening it must be to hear yourself called an alien. Mm-hmm. I just find it so funny that we are the people that, cre- like, came here illegally, took land from people. Like, this is not our home nation for most of us. And we're the ones that are sitting here calling people trying to do the same thing aliens. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Our immigration is a mess right now. Um, so, as messy as it is, this plan also um, wants to clear the backlogs and basically get everybody that is currently awaiting their, like, steps in their process to immigration to get them moved through in a pretty immediate fashion. Um, this is changing the whole legal immigration system, too, to make it, like, easier for people to get citizenship. And um, finally, the most important thing, I think, is this allocates a lot more funding for judges and stuff like that in immigration courts and allows more immigration courts to be open more judges to be had so these processes can move a lot quicker and uh, DACA recipients can apply for immediate green cards under this plan too and it's really interesting that this immigration policy is being like undertaken as we haven't seen immigration policy since Obama in 2013 and that was shot down when it hit the house Mm -hmm. because it didn't have Republican support so I'm interested to see, now that we've got a Democratic majority in the House, the Senate, and the White House, if we'll actually be able to get some immigration legislation passed. Mm -hmm. So what about this would be maybe divisive? Well, I think trying to reach across the aisle and get Republicans on board is going to be the hardest part, because not that we really need them to pass this, because we have majority in all three places, but... You know, bipartisan support is always the goal because Mm -hmm. you don't want to be making enemies with your fellow lawmakers. 
So what about it would Republic? Why do Republicans not want this? Wouldn't want this to go through possibly? See, it's in my opinion, it's the fear mongering and the oh, well, immigrants will take your jobs. But like, if you really look at the statistics, you'll see that like immigrants are taking jobs that just like Native America or like Native born Americans, excuse me, just don't really want. Like mm-hmm. they're doing like the field work and the farm work and everything like that and dishwashing and like restaurant jobs and stuff that we don't necessarily want. Mm-hmm. And so they're not really taking away the high school jobs that Americans are usually going after. Also, if they were taking our jobs, like why is that such a bad thing? Like it's going to bring more competition. You should be doing your absolute best. So somebody that's better than you is coming here and has the ability to do better than you. Why not just try and be better? For Republicans, isn't competition the main thing? Like, don't Republicans love the idea of, like, competition and, like, a competitive survival of the fittest? That is... In their own... Yeah. When it's good for them. Honestly, what Marissa said is not too far off from the truth. They like it for when it's convenient for them. But um, it's just... And the thing, too, kind of continuing off of what Marissa said is, like, it's also going to be stimulating the economy either way because they're still going to be spending money in the U.S. I mean, even if they're sending money to a family back from their home country, like, so be it. They're still going to have to spend money on rent and food and, like, clothing and stuff like that in America. And they're still stimulating the economy and paying taxes and everything like that. Like, they're still doing their part. Mm -hmm. I just find it so funny how people can just dismiss like humans like they don't look at them as humans they look as they call them aliens like they don't look at them and see oh this is somebody who's trying to provide for their family to have a better life and not have to worry every day Mm -hmm. which is something that we worry about here like you know like my family one reason why we don't live in the big city is because my parents won't have to worry about gangs and stuff yeah like it's it's all about perspective i guess because like I noticed that younger people tend to be more on board with uh, immigration. And the thing is, is like, I'm not saying that we need to like open the borders so that everybody can move freely. But like, we need to make the legal immigration process significantly simpler, easier and less costly to those Mm -hmm. that are trying to immigrate. Because like Marissa said earlier, like this was not our land initially. Like we took it from other people. We shouldn't be the ones to regulate who is allowed to come here and who's not. Also, if other countries treated us the way that we treat immigrants, the Americans would be so annoyed because they'd be Absolutely. like, oh, we deserve, we've fought, we've worked hard, like we deserve to be able to go move wherever we want. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, oh, but you're not allowed into our land. Yeah. And this legislation is also um, upping like diversity visas, which from my understanding are um, visas to get diversity into certain um, job fields. Okay. They're increasing those from, I believe, 55000 to 85000 a year, which, I mean, 30000 increase is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely love to see more, but, you know, for the time being, a 30000 visa increase is not bad. you got to start somewhere because you can't just exactly. really go to, like, a 1,000% increase. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think the Biden administration has to go about this in a very tactful manner because after the 2020 election cycle – like most of the Republicans are just looking for a falter point to start, you know, using as like a point of reference to start like putting the seeds for their candidates into voters' heads. And so the Biden administration needs to be very careful about what they're including and what they want to do to protect the administration as a whole because they're starting on such rocky footing. Mm-hmm. Another thing about the whole immigration thing that was always crazy to me was that 
there were pictures and videos of the kids that were locked up in basically these like kennels like what we would keep animals in and people still weren't just like oh let's free them let's just give them back to their parents like let's let them go into our country and have a like good life they were just like oh they shouldn't have come here it's absolutely outrageous Mm -hmm. at this point like i just don't know how you can tell an asylum seeker or something like that that like oh you have to be separated from your child in this incredibly terrifying time and you're not going to know where your child is your child's not going to know where you are good luck like, that is not a way to govern. No, I mean, it's traumatizing. Exactly. That is incredibly traumatizing, especially because the kids in these instances are usually incredibly young. Mm-hmm. And yet people, like, I'm not going to say that I'm anti-Trump because there were some good things that he brought to our country when he was our president for those four years. There's a lot of bad that he also brought. But, like, that Trump was still, like, allowing them. And people were like, oh, Trump's not racist. Well, he's locking these poor kids up. And, like, it's basically like a zoo in there from the pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is genuinely disheartening. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm hopeful for this bill as a whole. I don't necessarily know how, how well it's going to do because I believe it needs a 60-vote passage in the Senate, and I don't see the votes. Because right now the Senate is 48 Democratic, 2 Independent, and 50 Republican, with mm-hmm. the Independents usually voting with the Democrats. And even with Kamala Harris coming in to do a tiebreaker, they're still not going to get, like, 60 votes. Like, I don't necessarily see it passing in the Senate. I'm hopeful, but I'm very cautiously optimistic. What happens at that point? Um, If it gets shot down, it can be redrafted and brought to another vote. But you just got to keep in mind that if this uh, does get Republican support, that they're most likely going to want something back in return. And we just don't do. know what that is yet. Well, that's just really how politics works. I mean, it's a kind of a, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Which, I mean, we can talk about the ethics of politics all day, but that's just how it is, mm-hmm. you know? But so On that note, I gotta go. Okay. Thank you for having me, Noah. Absolutely, Marissa. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. And with Marissa's departure, I think we can move on to the next topic. So... This week, uh, on Thursday also as well, uh, Biden held a town hall meeting and he was basically called out by somebody who is being crippled by student loan debt right now and asking for, instead of the $10,000 that was originally proposed, uh, $50,000 for student loan relief to everybody. Mm -hmm. And honestly, as much as I would love to see that, I don't ever see it happening. Where does the money come from i guess we're that's already the thing. in debt that's so the thing much. we don't know where this money is going to come from yet we don't know where it's going to come from we don't know who specifically is going to be offered this because mm-hmm. there are currently like student loan forgiveness programs for like public workers like teachers and government officials mm-hmm. however we don't know how this new student loan forgiveness is going to work if it's going to be for anybody that is holding like governmentally held student loans and a timeline on this and how it's going to even work in like a government or like in the house and the senate because it is such a highly debated issue but if you look at the like debt of america the biggest debt we have is student loans Mm -hmm. it is astronomical and i don't know if you know this but student loans are the only type of debt that you cannot get out of with a bankruptcy the only type. The only type. That's great. The largest type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the national average like student loan balance is somewhere in the $40,000 mm-hmm. range, 
which is absolutely absurd. I've been blessed and I barely carry any student loans. I think like less than 7,000 mm-hmm. at this point. But like the thing is, is like people like my sisters who both went to private colleges are carrying hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars in loan debt. Yeah. Like I don't even know how 10,000, let alone 50,000 is going to put a dent in some of these people's loan balances. Yeah. And we also don't know, and this is an interesting thing I thought, is we don't know if this is just going to be for undergraduate degrees, if it's going to be for all degrees. Like, are you going to be able to go to law school and have 50 grand of that forgiven? And then if you hop on social media, you can see people that have already gone to college that have already paid off their student loans or didn't need to take out student loans that are in a frenzy. Mm -hmm. They're angry because they don't want to be left out. But the thing is, is you already, like, paid your student loans. What are you expecting? I don't know. Wouldn't you feel like happy for the people who are getting Absolutely. their loans forgiven. Like, you know the are, struggle specifically. Yes, yours are paid off and now people behind you don't have to go through the struggles that you did if this ever Absolutely. And the thing is, is this is a band-aid. This is a band-aid solution. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Unless there's going to be some kind of give in whether college gets cheaper or it is more financial aid available to students this is simply just a band-aid for now yeah it really is and other ways like throughout the whole covid situation which doesn't necessarily apply but it kind of does it's so surprising to me that we have never no like the college students aren't getting any money any help absolutely which is not going to help with student loans at all no, because I personally, as a student, was uh, didn't get either of the stimulus payments and was ineligible for, like, multiple tax credits mm-hmm. and a bunch of stuff because I was claimed as an adult dependent under my parents. Exactly. And so not only are we getting left out in the cold in terms of stimulus, but we're also getting crippling debt in the middle of a global pandemic yes. where people are struggling to find jobs. Like, what's going to give? Yeah, something at this point has to. This is just a quick solution to a huge problem that needs a grand solution Mm -hmm. to, like, fix it as a whole. Yes. Like, this is just awful. But, um, so I guess moving into my next topic, we kind of segued pretty well. Uh, The stimulus package that is being proposed, or the American Rescue Act. So... That is finally starting to come together, it seems. Um, So to get the stimulus to pass in the current governmental climate, um, it had to be done under what is called budget reconciliation Mm -hmm. because otherwise, excuse me, it would need the two-thirds majority to get passed. However, if it is broken down into a bunch of smaller bills, which is considered budget reconciliation, Mm and then they're all put back together, then it doesn't for some reason. That's very Which strange. doesn't really make sense, but um, they're currently being put all back together right now. Um, and hopefully this will get voted on in the next few weeks here. Mm-hmm. I believe that um, Congress is on recess. I think they're both on recess right now, actually. And so we're probably not going to get a vote until mm, late February, early March, but, and again, this, we still don't know what's come out of this and what is going to be included in the stimulus mm-hmm. bill. But from the sounds of it, 
it sounds like we're looking at an extension of the eviction moratorium, the uh, mortgage freeze, the unemployment benefits will be extended, there will be a $1,400 stimulus check, and just a few other odds and ends that have been covered in previous stimulus packages. Um, I am quite unclear on like small business and like PPE mm-hmm. loans and stuff like that. Um, or PPP loans, excuse me. But, you know, it's it's also really unclear, but right now it's currently being reconciled and hopefully we'll come up for a vote and we'll get full bill text soon. Mm-hmm. But um, there's just a small little stimulus yeah. update for Have you. Have we um, heard if this new stimulus check is going to include the adult dependents or will so, it still not? from the sounds of it, it actually sounds like we will be included. Okay. It sounds like uh, tax status isn't going to necessarily matter anymore mm-hmm. and you're just going to be over 18 or your parents will get uh, an additional portion for mm-hmm. you if you're like under 16 or 17 or something like okay. that. So it shouldn't be that bad, but um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we'll actually get it this time around. Yes, that would be very nice. Oh, yeah, it would be super helpful. Um, so, yeah, that's the that's the stimulus update we're looking at. So Texas. Let's talk about Texas. All right. Wow, what a dumpster fire right now. What is happening in Texas? So I don't know if you know the full scope of the situation, I don't. But know I, can, I can I can give you a little bit of information. Thank you. So, what is going on in Texas, which is not really happening in any other state, is they're out of power and have pretty much no way to get additional power through to their customers until the storm passes and Texas heats back up. Mm-hmm. So, the reason for this is because many, many years ago, uh, Texas voted to uh, manage their power grid independently of the rest of the U.S. Okay. There's like four, three or four power grids throughout the U.S. There's like a Pacific power grid, like an Atlantic power grid. I, these aren't their exact names, but mm-hmm. it's basically split yeah. up by the coasts. And then I believe a central power grid. And Texas decided to go without being part of the like U.S. Mm-hmm. like national power grid and privatize theirs. Um, so what happened when that happened was a lot of corners were cut. So like the wind turbines that are being used for renewable energy in Texas right now are frozen because mm-hmm. they don't have the heating modules that they should and that any other U.S. facility that has governmental regulation has. Mm-hmm. And the gas lines that are underground are also freezing. And so power is not being able to be delivered to customers Furthermore, customers who do have power are getting charged thousands of dollars a day, a day for their power. And wouldn't you know it, Ted Cruz hopped on a flight to Cancun yesterday. Love to see it. So they just never anticipated ever having the the possibility of a freeze. And (laughs) the funniest thing is, is so many previous tweets of ted cruz's have surfaced and ted buddy the internet is forever whether you like it or not it's forever and so hundreds of previous tweets have surfaced where he's like oh democrats are going golfing when we've got to give these american people x y and z and, and now he's going on a vacation yeah, to Mexico. Now he's taking his daughters uh, that have the week off school on a, we want to go to Cancun Ooh, trip. Fun. And um, now he's claiming that it was a planned trip 
even though in his statement he's saying it was a spur of the moment trip. And so What's the truth? we don't really know. <laughs> That's the funny part. We have no idea what the truth of this actually is. And uh, apparently he's on a flight home right now. He just stayed one night in Cancun to make sure oh, his 10 o- and 11 year old daughters were settled in just, Cancun. You know, a quick overnight. Yeah, and Dude, this, wait, so he's just left his daughters. I'm pretty sure his wife is there. Okay. I'm hoping, anyways. But you know, it's Ted Cruz. No, he paid for someone else to watch him. See, and the funny thing is, too, is I don't, I don't really want to make this like sound bad, but like the guy who's been so heavily invested in a border wall, taking his family to, to Cancun Mexico, yeah. for a vacation, is just poetic irony. Like you don't see very often. I just don't understand how you don't see that, like, in the moment. Yeah. I don't understand how he didn't think any of this would come out. He's a recognizable person. People have cameras with them 24-7. This was inevitable. And, like, we don't even know what's going to happen to Texas. We don't Mm -hmm. know if this is going to be a wake-up call for them and get these things dealt with because the – I saw a tweet – the other day and it was um somebody quote tweeted a tweet by ted cruz and it said something along the lines of we'll start caring about climate change the day texas freezes over well texas has frozen over yeah and so <laughs> i'm hopeful that maybe this will come to a wake-up call mm-hmm. uh to texas legislators but honestly I, I don't know and their governor greg abbott has been doing nothing too like the thing is I don't want to, like, make this sound like praise for the Biden administration because it's not praise for the Biden administration. Mm -hmm. But if you just think about it, like, Texas requested aid from the federal government, from the president directly, Mm -hmm. and it was granted. No questions asked. There wasn't any, like, oh, do you really need it? Oh, but you're a red state and I'm a blue president. Whereas that's how it usually is. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you look at Michigan, like, like, a year ago... When we had those horrible storms and the entire state was flooding, mm-hmm. relief was being withheld. And, like, that's not how it should work. And that's no. not how the Biden administration is handling things. They are they're trying to hold everything together, mm-hmm. which is refreshing, yes, to say the a least. a united country, a united states, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Texas is a disaster. But mm-hmm. I really want to wrap up on a genuinely terrifying thing in my opinion so uh we had a census in 2020 Mm -hmm. and so we're finally starting to get that data back but what that means is that uh congress will be allowed to redistrict the states because now we have accurate population Mm -hmm. numbers and we know where the people are and where we need to have congressional districts um the thing is though is that these districts that are being um, redrawn, uh, there is 188 districts that will be redrawn by Republicans and only uh, 73 that will be redrawn by Democrats. And um, that's not going to go well. It just doesn't feel equal. No, and the thing is, is I understand that there's you know, obviously, like, party affiliation Mm -hmm. and, like, certain states and certain areas are just going to be red or going to be blue. Mm -hmm. However, when you have a political party with double the power as the other, how is that fair for democracy? The whole two-party system is always 
been a mistake. Yeah. And I think everybody knows that at this point. But. Yeah. Well, and this brings up an interesting thing because there's an act that is um, hopefully about to be like floated into into legislation where or it's called the We the People Act. And, or excuse me, the For the People Act. My bad, should have read my notes first. Um, <laughs> so basically what this will do is this will prevent uh, gerrymandering and mm-hmm. a lot of the dark political money and uh, furthermore, it will aid in the redistricting because it will basically force both parties to draw their lines fairly. Yeah. And this will also, um, I'm not sure if this is a separate bill or if it's included in the For the People Act. It was kind of cloudy from the research I did, but this will end the filibuster, which has been a long time coming in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So um, for those who don't know, a filibuster is where a legislator um, opens or reopens the debate on a specific bill and continues to talk about it so it can't be brought to a vote. And that is how a lot of policy is shot down in an age where we are very, very deeply and equally divided. Mm-hmm. And so... Really, our democracy is in danger. And honestly, 2020 was just like a like a fifth of what we're going to be experiencing here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Like, it's honestly terrifying to think like what's going to be happening because, like, Republicans won't even have to try in 2022 to regain their majority because if they get to draw all these lines that they can draw, mm-hmm. they're not even going to have to try. No. They're not going to have to. The people just walk into, like, the areas that they're fixated on are the people that walk into the ballot, or, excuse me, walk in with their ballot, straight ticket Republican, and walk out. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what they're aiming for. That's what will keep them in power. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's not how democracy should work. The whole system has a lot of issues. Yeah. And I mean, I honestly, I don't understand why voting days are not national holidays. Why? Why it's keeping people away from voting. Exactly. Like, that in and of itself is a great way of voter suppression. Mm -hmm. Because people who can't afford to take a day off are the ones who aren't going to be able to vote. Exactly. And I just saw a girl on TikTok who uh, lived in Alabama who just got her absentee voter ballot yesterday for the November election. Oh, my goodness. Yesterday, February 18th. She got her absentee ballot. That is insane. <laughs> Things need to change. Yes. Really quickly. It's And the thing is, is right now, I don't even feel like this is like a party problem. I think that this is a, a select amount of people that are trying to grab a hold of their power and mm-hmm. hold on tight. Like, I want to blame it on parties, but like, <sighs> okay, the Republican Party is splitting in half. They're, mm-hmm. It's turning into Trump Republicans and McConnell Republicans. And that divide could potentially be beneficial to Democrats in the future. However, Republicans are smarter than that. They're not going to let their own party war get in the way of their overall power because mm-hmm. there's strength in numbers, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. We're living in an absolutely horrifying time right now. Living through this time is 
we're gonna look back on it and just have so much to tell our children oh yeah i'm just i'm sick of living through historical events yeah me too like i think we all are at this point it was cool the first time like not the event but like I'm like, oh my gosh, we'll be written about in history books. Yeah. But now after like the 10 millionth We're one, like, I'm like, can mm, we You know, just, can we stop? Can I just have a normal Thursday for once? <laughs> like if you look back at like January, every single Wednesday in January had some huge yeah. like controversy. Like, can we please just go back to the boring, yeah, boring life with when nothing ever happened? Wake up, eat my cereal, do my homework. <laughs> and go, go back to bed. Go back to bed. Like, honestly, I'm sick of living through historical events and crises. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess we can end in a good note and say that COVID numbers are consistently down for That's the last so few weeks. Vaccine distribution is up And actually, today, Biden will be in Michigan um, visiting the Pfizer facility in Kalamazoo. That's so exciting. Yeah. So everything about the vaccine and going, everything feels like it's going smoothly, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm ready to get the vaccine. And let me just say, for a year, I was terrified about my grandparents' health. And to know that they have the vaccine in them. I feel the same. It's just like, so feels so good mm-hmm. and like the thing is is i was almost the one that could have gave them covid like mm-hmm. i was gonna go home for thanksgiving and i tested the day before and i was like i should just get a test like make sure like i'm feeling okay yeah. boom tested positive i'm so glad i did that because mm-hmm. it wasn't detectable for a few days no and it's so stressful thinking about the fact that like if i go home I could have been, like, a lot of times, I could have been the one to bring it to the UP if I would have gone home. You yeah, know? because they were... Because for a long time, the UP was so, like, sequestered off by itself, and they weren't getting any cases. But if I had left from Big Rapids at one point and gone back home to the UP, I could have brought it with yeah. me. Which yeah. Which is just crazy to think about. That's a, it's a terrifying thought, mm-hmm. like, how easily this transmits. And I'm kind of wondering... What do you think about the the new, more uh, transmittable strands that are being found? Like, I mean, it's scary again, but I do feel hopeful and like, I don't know, I guess just hopeful that everything that the doctors are saying are saying that this vaccine will still work just as well against the newer strains and everything like that. So that is something that... Leaves me not quite as terrified, you yeah. know, but it's still, there's so much more, like, the initial strain, strain of COVID was already so easy to catch, mm-hmm. and now these ones are even more easy. Yeah, and the thing is, is I have no idea how I caught it. Mm-hmm. I can't trace it back to a person, a place, mm-hmm. anything. I can't figure it out. I tried for multiple days. I called everybody I'd been in contact with for, like, the last, like, five, six, seven days trying to figure out who I could have got it from, where I could have got it from. It's still a mystery. Yeah. It's you're not always gonna figure it out. It's crazy how this is so transmittable. It's so hard to keep a handle on Mm -hmm. this. And especially when you think how our numbers are not accurate either. Because, you know, people in lower income situations who, even though free tests are available, they may not be uh, close to Mm -hmm. a clinic. They may not have a way to get to a clinic. They may not even be able to have a way to have their results delivered to them if they don't have a a phone or a smartphone Mm -hmm. or anything like that. And so how do you how do you know, like, how can our numbers be as accurate as possible when when people can't 
have access to tests. Absolutely. Know? We need everybody to have access to them. Yeah. And it's not possible as it is right now. No. And I mean, just looking at the data, like lower income areas and like areas uh, with primarily um, like populations of people of color, like are getting hit the hardest and they're just, they're being left in like mm-hmm. left in the dark. And it's just horrifying. It is. This whole situation has been horrifying. You know, this was supposed to be the happy ending of the podcast. Yeah. And we kind of took it back Ooh. to traumatic. We can <laughs> leave it on a happy ending because I just remembered a detail from earlier that I forgot to mention. Today, the U.S. rejoins the Paris Climate Accord. There we go. That's there we our go. happy That's ending. That's our happy ending. <laughs> that is our happy ending for the first episode of the Politics Podcast. So thank you so much for joining me, Kaylin. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for explaining things to me. (laughs) Absolutely. This whole podcast is based on knowledge. Like, I want to be able to help people. I mean, of course, I'll throw my opinions in there every Mm -hmm. once in a while. But, like, knowledge is the most important thing. So I'm glad you took something away from this. Of course. Thank you so so much. Yeah. So uh, keep up with The Torch on our social medias at FSU Torch. We can be found on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now TikTok, surprisingly. Finally got my bus on board for that one. (laughs) Um, And you can find me on social medias at No Other Reporter.